We are trying to play with the karma. We are trying to change the energies. And sometimes giving these free tips, we are taking that karma. That's why previously uh, many practitioners used to say that don't give any advice without taking a red envelope. Welcome to Winning with Feng Shui. Join me, Candace, a certified Feng Shui practitioner for a chat with Feng Shui experts from every walk of life. They'll share their inspirational stories of helping themselves and their clients achieve winning results and success using feng shui. Hey guys, I'm so excited today to be joined by Tanya from Tanya Feng Shui. So Tanya is an internationally trained and recognized classical feng shui and Chinese metaphysics consultant and Vastu, can you help me say this? It's Vastu Shilpa Shastra. Practitioner, yes. That's it. <laughs> her <laughs> primary focus has always been to help others holistically. Although she started her career as a lawyer, she's always been passionate about healing and spirituality. Living across the world and learning about each country's culture led towards various paths like yoga, tai chi, and meditation. Soon she began studying Vedic astrology, Vastu, numerology, and various branches of feng shui, reiki, and interior design. After attaining knowledge in the various arts by studying with several masters in the U.S. and Asia, she knew that Feng Shui and Vastu was her true calling and subsequently did extensive study with the help of acclaimed teachers and practitioners. Tanya has over 20 years of experience producing results using expertise and professionalism in her work, drawing from the depth of knowledge in many disciplines of Chinese metaphysics and the Vedic system. She is very passionate about helping her clients create unique comfort spaces and unique expressions of who they are and the life they want to live. Tanya aims to bring insight to her clients to know the best actions to take and when to take them and how to maximize their potential in their environment for personal transformation and to empower their goals. I think that's an amazing um, summary, I think, of what feng shui can do for us. I'm so excited to, to have you on to talk about your work. Thank you for inviting me, Candice. Yeah. Yes, I love how unique we kind of, you know, beforehand, of course, we chit chat, you know, and, and beforehand, we kind of talked about how, you know, I, I love how everyone's background or, you know, you or you just life experiences kind of brings them to um, practice feng shui in different ways. So one thing I don't know a lot about, I kind of looked at briefly before um, you, you know, previous before talking to you was uh, Vastu. Can you explain a little bit about you know the the system? Basically, Vastu Shastra is something like our Feng Shui only, but uh, this has been derived from Vedas long time ago. It actually is derived from Atharva Veda. So in uh, this thing, what we say is like we call something called as Vastu Purush, which we say he comes and lights down on the floor of the house. So based on the way he lies down on the floor of the house, we dedicate the house according to that. There are many similarities between Vastu and Feng Shui. Like in uh, Feng Shui, we have the center as open because we want the energies to come and collect. We don't want basically anything in the center. It's the same thing in Vastu Shastra. We call it as Brahmastan. So we don't really like anything in there like stairs or kitchen or toilets or anything of those kind of things. So in Vastu Shastra, basically it depends on the sun, uh, where the sun god is, how the sun rays are falling on the house. So based on those things, we arrange the uh, different rooms and all those things. So, and even like astrology is a 
major part of how we dedicate the house. Like according to the birth charts, we see whether this particular house entrance suits the uh, people who are gonna live in that house. So based on that, we select the particular houses. Yeah. Yes. When I was looking at, it looked very similar to feng shui in that there was different, you know, the directions and stuff. And that's kind mm -hmm. of as far as I got, because I was like, I'm going to ask you about it. <laughs> so that's what <laughs> I got yeah. into looking at it. But it, it did look very similar as far as um, uh, the, you know, the different directions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, you guys don't, when you do the Vastu, you don't orient it um, according to a compass direction. Is that correct? Uh, no, actually, the compass direction is also important. We call it as padas. Like, for example, in uh, feng shui, we have north one, north two, north three, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, this thing in Vastu Shastra, we call it as north one pada, north two pada, north three padas. Like that, we have a set of nine padas in the front axis of north like that. But then the northeast then are divided into certain more pada. So basically it's divided into each pada and how that pada goes on. So that pada represents like in uh, feng shui or north one represents uh, the khan, the rat. So all those things like that, uh, these also represent different gods and their attributes to it. Oh, that's so, so like for example, north one represents to Mercury. Mm -hmm. So the it's like basically Mercury is a god of knowledge, intelligence, career. So those kind of attributes are represented by those things. And according to each pada, then we decide whether this particular uh, thing is good or not. Like, for example, if toilets are there, we don't want them in the center of north. So maybe in the third or fourth pada, they are OK, but not in the center of north. So based on that, we decide. Oh, that's so interesting. So how how did your journey start? Tell us a little bit about where that in where the, all the interest came from, where you started out with feng shui and vastu. So basically, when I was in India, I was uh, majoring in uh, law, and then I started practicing it. But then uh, somehow it wasn't me. I'm very good at arguing and doing all that stuff, but somehow it felt like uh, uh, this is not me. So then from my childhood, I had vast interest in astrology, palm history, and uh, Western astrology, numerology, all those kinds of things. Then I started uh, exploring more and more. And uh, my Guruji, my first Guruji, Neelima, she used to come to our house and uh, do the feng shui. And uh, she used to even look over the Vastu aspect of it. Then I was like more and more interested the way she was doing it every year. She used to say the energies have changed over here. We need to do this. We need to do that. I was like, okay, we are living here. What is that so changing? Then it kind of curiosity got into me. And then I started learning from her, from uh, her. At the same time, I started taking feng shui classes in Chennai. And then I started uh, taking uh, Vastu Shastra uh, in Kerala University. I'm still pursuing the Vastu Shastra. I'm actually currently doing my PhD thesis uh, on Vastu Shastra. So the learning, I guess, never ends. <laughs> so that's how I started. Uh, but basically, uh, then I interned with uh, Neelimaji. And, uh, but I felt like there is a lack between how other practitioners are doing. And when I married and moved to US, then I started getting to know other uh, practitioners but I took a break of a couple of years in between but then I started learning from different practitioners and uh, 
I've been blessed to learn with very good practitioners, took some classes with Howard, did my Dagwa with Hale and uh, Master Joseph Yu, did some classes with Joe Yap. Uh, so various masters have, I've been, uh, thank God, blessed, <laughs> I guess, to take uh, their um, perspective and learn many things from them. And on the process, I started implementing their style with my style of feng shui and vastu. I know we don't uh, try to mix these things, but according to the clients, I do change it up here and there and based on the results. And if I do experiment anything, I first want to experiment on me or my family and then go to the clients. So that's how basically I started the whole journey process. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. So yeah, you've studied with some wonderful masters. I've, I've too, taken some classes from um, the Feng Shui Research Center. And of course, I think everyone's done a Joey Yap course here somewhere. Oh, yeah. you know, he, he, you know, he launches so yes. many courses on yes. the <laughs> Yeah, it's hard like not to take a Joey Yap. I mean, they're good, you know, they, it really, that really was just... my, my introduction to classical Feng Shui because previously, I I'd kind of learned a little bit of blend of both, like a, a Western style, like BTB feng shui, um, but kind of, but using the compass direction still, and it still was a lot. I I felt like I, I needed to know more, and so really Joey Yap um, was, you know, the main one that you come across when you learn when you think about feng shui, and it really opened my mind to like, oh my gosh, like you know tapping into the energy of the environment you know to what feng shui really like the core part of where feng shui comes from you know and yeah, yeah. previously before joey up i was all into uh, like even i used to do these trinkets and all those things yeah but i really didn't believe in trinkets even while i was doing it but like the way i've learned it they were like some trinkets that were prescribed <laughs> Mm -hmm. to put in certain places but Joey up actually changed the whole aspect of uh, that and he kind of brought the holistic nature into things rather than looking at one particular thing like so many people are hung up on colors mm -hmm. like they hardly have like 10 to 15 percent of it but even if they change a small thing like from here to there a frame from here to there or an art piece from here to there, they're like worried, like, oh my God, I'm changing this, is this okay? I'm like, don't be so rigid in your mind, let it go. The major things, if you see any issues that are popping up, then let's look for a solution rather than, okay, I'm gonna move this from there, so I'm gonna have something problems or something. So don't, those kind of thing, that kind of thinking, I think Joya has uh, introduced uh, into our uh, functional community. There are many masters who did that, but I think for me, it was him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely when I started, I, I did have the view and when he was, you know, when I started the, I was like, so where do we put stuff? No, you don't put stuff out, you know, and, <laughs> and I was also scared. I was like, um, I also at the time when I started doing feng shui, I had a lot of, of a personal issues. That's why I started doing feng shui. So I was actually scared. I was like, I'm scared to pain. I'm scared to hang stuff up. If I nail a nail in my walls, they're going to overactivate, you know, like I'm scared to put a red, you know, object there. I'm scared to hang a picture. And yeah, for sure. We, I, that's one thing I like to, you know, teach people. That's why I started the podcast, why I'm doing interviews, you know, um, of course we all have different beliefs, but for me, um, yeah, telling people like, well, you don't really have to be worried about every little placement, every little thing, every little object, 
you know, if you have a picture of a horse there, it's okay. You know, it's not adding fire <laughs> to your, it's okay. You know, you don't have to change all, like all your decor. It's really about how your environment's receiving that chi flow, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yes. And basically I think uh, we have to educate people that don't just look at feng shui like, okay, I have to, it's all about wealth, wealth, wealth. Many people who come to us, they are mostly about wealth. Okay, what should I do to get more wealth? Uh, those kind of things. Uh, function is more about growing holistically. Even as we are teaching, we are changing the perspective of who we are, have changed along the way. And uh, I think we need to teach them how to grow on a holistic nat nature than just putting some stuff here and there to bring more and more wealth. Yeah, for right. sure. And I know, I mean, even the definition of wealth, you know, of course, you know, everybody wants to be prosperous financially, but mm -hmm. when, you know, when you start getting older, you know, I, I'll turn 40 this year and the more, the older you get, the more you really realize, or you start thinking, you know, I want to make sure I'm healthy. I want to make sure my kids are, you know, mentally happy, you know, they're, they're good. They're happy. They're, mm -hmm. you know, they're set for the future. You know, of course we want to provide financially for our future yep. generations, but it's a balance. There's a balance there. Yeah, happiness and bliss is the main important thing that uh, we need. When we are happy, we are blissful. Then we generate that kind of energy, uh, that kind of chi or aura we call. And automatically the universe will provide us with what we need. Yeah. If we are just running around one particular aspect of life and at the same time we are unhappy, like maybe we have health issues or relationship issues, then that will be lingering in our mind. So we are ultimately not happy. And when we are not happy, we are generating that kind of aura. So the universe sees both of those things. And based on that, the energy is, if we are on high, yes, <laughs> the energy that coming to us that we are receiving is also high. So ultimately it's uh, for us, we have to be, happy and blissful and energetic at the same time yeah yeah i mean even the there's even the saying in feng shui that too much wealth deteriorates your health you know and that's, that's really seen, of course like in the in the bazi you know but you know it can it can affect the health um and so yeah definitely there's there's always a balance there of course finances don't hurt you know it can't hurt to do yeah. i do <laughs> i do wealth activations i mean you know and they work you know they they work um yeah. but yeah for sure um it's a lot of people that that is one thing that i've noticed um that they want to focus a lot on of here in the west of course you know you you are living in um you live in california correct yeah. so you probably see it a lot where you see feng shui online and stuff and a lot of people want to focus on what they call like their prosperity area or prosperity corner yeah. and and i think a lot of people they want to put the things there and they expect that to be um magically generating yeah work. what changes it yeah but it really is the action and everything behind you know even when i do feng shui you know the activations or the wealth activations it's always to trigger the energy in a, in, in a space that's you know holds like the yearly wealth stars or you know stuff like that but it's always with action you know there's always something behind there's always work put in behind it and that is another thing i i think people uh, need to realize about feng shui too you know like for example in chiman forecasting uh, uh not forecasting if we have to manifest anything uh, according to the formations that we have 
so if there is any good formation like flying bird pollen cave or green dragon returns or something like that, then okay, you meditate, you give your command. But after doing that, you have to take that action for that particular manifestation to come true. Yes. So many people, what they do is, okay, I have given my command. I'm waiting for it to come. No, it doesn't work like that. Now you start working on it. And then observe the universe giving you hints. Okay, now you started working. You have pressed the button. Okay, let's see whether the re reactions are coming or not. So that's how it has to be. The work has to be there. Nothing is going to come pouring magically. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> so you talked a bit, a bit about blending the two systems. And I think it's so interesting because I know like you, some people do say, especially I think when you study with, you know, different, um, schools and stuff, they don't recommend you, you know, mix the two, but I really feel like, you know, with our own, again, you kind of develop your own style of feng shui. And I know I've talked to many practitioners that have studied, you know, either both classical and, you know, more of more of a Western approach and they do blend the two, you know, and so just like, you know, you do with, um, your feng shui. So tell how, talk a little bit about how you kind of blend the two together. Basically, uh, I just don't blend just Vastu Shastra. I even bring the vast, uh, Feng Shui and Vastu. I blend those two, even though they are like worlds apart. But for example, it depends on the clients. Uh, like for example, I'm working uh, with a client currently and she actually was uh, wanted Vastu consultancy for me, with me. So, and uh, according to her house, her bedroom where uh, they're going to put her bed is in the west northwest area it's called west northwest pada so in that pada if someone has their bed uh, it can cause depression for them and their relation will go down and all different kinds of things but at the same time if i wanted to change the bed according to vastu shastra the other direction is the north which i cannot keep because according to vastu shastra we are not supposed to put our head in the north direction and one side is the bathroom and one side is the doors and their closet area. So this is the only direction that we have to put their bed in. So, and uh, generally in US we have uh, like the master bedrooms are huge with the big uh, restrooms and everything. So they don't wanna leave the room or take another room, right? So we have to incorporate which is the best way so that we can enhance their relationship to keep it safe so that their emotional level is good and their relationship and their love is good. So for this, I then ditched Vastu Shastra aspect of it for their bedroom and I applied the Dagwa process of it where I'm looking at the hexagram which falls into the good sector for them where they can put their bed. But the problem with the Dagwa aspect is we have to be precise with the degrees where it comes into this. Yeah. So that's how in some aspects like where it is needed and I can't find a solution in this, then I go to another solution, tap into something else. <laughs> so that's how I kind of mix some of those things. So even with feng shui too, I mean, you know, of course we have the Lopan has a you know all kinds of different formulas but it really is it's to me it seems like you just it's really an intuitive thing too because you mm -hmm. know some formulas we can't use just like i guess there's probably sometimes you can't use you know the vast tradition so you can do some different mm -hmm. things so yeah i i like that i like that um it's it's really tapping into the, the intuition and understanding what you can use in that client's home which is just yeah. it's really part of feng shui you know 
Yeah, because yeah. for example, if I go into someone's house where I'm doing the Vastu Shastra, according to Vastu Shastra, the southeast is where the kitchen is supposed to be, where the fire energy is supposed to be. And uh, they tell, okay, my uh, I have a fireplace here, my kitchen is here, so I'll be using this a lot this year. And uh, I'm going, because I have this feng shui in the back of my mind, and we have this five yellow this year, I'm like, okay, use it, but use it uh, less. Uh, maybe don't use your fireplace for this year. They're like, no, no according to Vasushasa, Southeast is supposed to be fire. I'm like, okay, then I have to explain it to them, all the functional aspect of it. I know according to Vasushasa, we have this, but we have to have the knowledge of both to bring a balance. I don't want you to activate uh, the five yellow without knowing just because it's good in this, it might not be good in that. So I think with having the knowledge in both of them, I kind of know what to do in certain areas and what not to do in certain areas. But I, uh, most of it comes with experience and certain dogma of uh, the fear that we have to let go and then implement uh, those things that we feel intuitively right. A lot of the clients I work with, they're more familiar with like the Western view of feng shui where, you know, and so they come in and most of their questions are, you know, can I place this here, place it here, the colors and stuff like that. And um, yeah, the same thing you just have to tell them, you know, again, what we talked about earlier, well, the color, yeah. you know, it's just a small percentage and they're, you know, they're kind of like, I can, you know, paint it however I want, you know, the, you know a popular feng shui website <laughs> you know that i can do this or that or i, I shouldn't do this or that or I'm like well you know it's again if you i think it just depends on what speaks to you you know and and where you come from in that background but yeah for sure i think i think in both sides there's definitely room to um just to be open-minded you know yes. just like with with vastu and, and and combining the two so yeah, and sometimes like people just want quick answers, like they call you or message you and they say like, okay, I'm having this shoe, my house is facing this, that's it. Oh, and they want the answer, quick relief answer for that. I'm like, okay, we have to look at your baza aspect of it, why there is certain issues happening for you. We have to look at your whole thing. They're like, uh, no, it's okay, just give me some answer. I'm like. How do you want me to give you just an answer? I'll give you a generalized answer, but that might work for you. That might not work for you. But uh, I think sometimes people are like quick fixes, I guess, like a glue. They want some quick fixes. And uh, we have to tell them that we need to go in depth of it. And until then, we cannot say. And even while posting on our Facebook posts and all those things, sometimes like... Uh, I do give out these good dates and all those things. But these good dates, there is so much of uh, things that we have to screen out when we're doing for a personal consultation. I sometimes worry like when I'm giving these out, uh, people are just thinking, okay, success day, it's good for me and I'm gonna do whatever. But are they observing the clashes? Are they observing the complete day's energies and all those things? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's I a do. Big thing. I definitely find that challenging um, sometimes because I've been doing the Learn Feng Shui podcast, you know, and I find it challenging sometimes to 
um, come with, you know, feng shui tips because sometimes it's so personal, you know, um, just the other day I saw a lady asking on a, on a forum or like one of the Facebook groups about, um, using Chi Min to conceive a child. And I was like, oh, that's, I mean, that's a whole consultation, you know, you, it's, it's too, too much to, I mean, it could be bed placement. It could be the Botsy. It could be, you know, you can definitely probably, you can use Chi Min, but you know, um, there's a lot, a lot too, you know, especially when it's something so personal like that. And even if we do, we, we are trying to play with the karma. We are trying to change the energies and sometimes giving these free tips, we are taking that karma. That's why previously uh, many practitioners used to say that don't give any advice without taking a red envelope. That is because then there is an exchange of the energy. Mm -hmm. Then we are not yeah. getting hit by the uh, energies but people sometimes they do understand sometimes they just want okay one question after another question after another question it goes <laughs> yeah for sure yeah it, it really takes a lot of analysis for yeah. some from the uh, for i mean really for a lot of things you know and so i know when i give tips it's just general forms you know place your bed yeah. here you can place desk here and so that that tends to be but it's it's still limited because really the person it's it's just, it really depends on their energy you know it really yeah. does it's hard to mm -hmm. to to apply feng shui when you don't uh, and to make it real personal and really effective when you don't apply everything together. Yeah. yeah. At least these uh, tips, I think they are also beneficial, like up to maybe like 50%, at least people are getting benefited uh, yes. by those things. Some people, they don't have a command position behind their uh, chairs and those things. They uh, Some ideas are really good and it's our way of just giving our energy to them and hope to help the community, right? Yes, and for sure, it, it does make an impact. I know it definitely changes the way your space feels and at least the mm -hmm. way you're receiving that energy, you know, um, you know, just it's just the very basic things. It's a good start to starting feng shui. And then if they need something very personal, that's when they can call someone to say, yeah. hey, you know, like, let's look at conceiving a child. But so I know we all have those favorite stories, you know, those favorite client stories or those favorite stories where we applied feng shui and we're like, wow, that was really impactful. What is, share one of your favorite client stories or one of your favorite stories that uh, you apply to your friends or your family or yourself and saw some really good results. Uh, this I posted on my Facebook page also. Uh, I think it was uh, last year, um, I met this uh, lady in New York uh, when we were living there. Uh, it was just by chance, I guess. Uh, these couple were married for almost, I think, eight or nine years. And uh, they were trying to have kids, but uh, they were not able to conceive. Um, so generally, uh, we were uh, chatting and uh, I came to know her through some acquaintances and we were chatting and then she was like very sad about the fact that she was not able to have a baby and uh, according to our Indian traditions, we have this dogma that after 30, uh, you can't have kids, <laughs> at least your firstborn, you should have before you're 30. So she was very worried and uh, then I told her like, okay, why don't we try this out? Uh, uh, the Sanha water place, uh, the bed placement method we have, right? Uh, then uh, I went to their house. Uh, we did that placement on a very good date. We moved their bed and all those things. And uh, in a couple of months, she had a baby girl. 
and uh, after uh, then they moved from new york to arizona and uh, there uh, again uh, she asked me and uh, i didn't go there but uh, on online consultation because i know all the bazaar charts and everything so she sent me her floor plans and we did the bed placement again and uh, she got a baby she had another baby so then the way she sent me the message like uh, it was so touching like when we changed someone's life especially in this aspect she was all, almost like literally broken down at that point of the time when i met her because we were all having my kids were all grown up and all those things when she used to see kids it was like something missing in her right especially for uh, most of the women when we are not parents when we, we are trying and we can't become parents so uh, the amount of affection she showed from the hospital you won't believe me after having the baby from the hospital she called me uh, both wife and husband they called me and they told me that we had our second baby that was like the most touching thing for me <laughs> oh that's amazing talking about conceiving right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i have i haven't had the pleasure of doing that so i'd look forward to somebody calling and say you know saying that they would like to you know cuz i've learned about the bed placement but yeah it really does take that practice that's amazing that's yeah. really amazing um for sure to give somebody the gift of you know helping them have a family is amazing yeah oh i love yeah. that uh we do even by doing the feng shui stuff or the vastu stuff we do drain a lot of our energies like example uh, yesterday i went to a client's house where uh, i did a quick talisman for uh, them and uh, i had to activate the talisman talismans they don't just work right it's a taoist technique so we have to activate the talisman so when we are doing the prana mudra to activate the talisman it takes a lot of our, our own energy because we are giving our prana our life energy life force to that particular talisman for that to be activated right so you uh, instantly the whole day you feel kind of drained when you're doing these kind of things so for us to come out of that i think we need to have a stable practice like doing meditation or tai chi or qigong whatever works for each particular person so that we can maintain our energy level so that we can help others yeah but it does feel drained sometimes <laughs> especially yeah, when you are yeah. yeah when you are <laughs> trying to do some reiki or activations of this talismans it does take a lot of uh, energy from you and even the space clearing when we are doing space clearing for certain people it takes a lot of our energy we feel drained after it yeah for sure i know um i i have done where i've done like eating readings and so i just do the cards but i've gone where i've done um you know sat at a shop and done readings and oh my gosh like at the end of the day you just you do you feel drained especially when you're doing something all day long and you're giving yeah. and a nice salt bath at the end of the day helps <laughs> helps clear that away for me <laughs> yeah. Salt yeah. Bath. <laughs> so you mentioned so you do that you do um the talisman and sigil making do, how so explain that because this is something that's fascinated me it is part of the five arts of chinese metaphysics that falls into um the category of i guess mountain or, or magic you know um so yeah this is this is fascinating to me because i've only met one other person online who's done 
uh, he does the talisman and sigil making, the Taoist one, but he only speaks Spanish and I don't speak Spanish. So I thought, I'm going to have, <laughs> so I'm going to find somebody that speaks English to, <laughs> to, uh, to talk about it. Talk a little bit about that. That's, that's so fascinating to me. So basically the way I started learning was I was fascinated by the Fuzzy's um, uh, Gels and uh, the way it is written and the whole calligraphy, uh, uh, the art aspect of it. Then I started getting into it and started uh, trying to uh, write with the brush, the Sumi brush we have. Then I started writing with, it was blunders, like the ink used to drop <laughs> the whole bit. So it took a lot of practice because the way we hold our pen is uh, something like this, right? To write with a pen or pencil. And with the brush, we kind of put the brush like on a straight angle and then we try to draw it, right? So it's it takes a little bit of practice, but basically the thing is each... Uh, person has a different style of writing the talismans because they first kind of make what we call a house kind of a thing we can say. So, and then we have like uh, put some like birds or something and then we put a bagua in between and then we put certain fusitals and we put a seal, like uh, whatever, like I have my Tanya as my seal. Mm -hmm. So I put that in the end of it and the more basic thing most about the talisman is you have to activate it so unless it's activated it is something that you have just written so when it is activated for certain things we just keep it like uh, for example uh, uh, i'm thinking of actually doing uh, the talisman about uh, medicine buddha i was thinking of doing the whole this thing and uh, write the mantra of uh, medicine buddha in between so that it can help, especially with the COVID that is going on around us. I just wanted to do it and activate it and put it on my page so that people can just print it out and uh, do a ritual. And when this is done, they simply have to take that paper, burn it out. So that uh, some people, uh, if it is a, uh, like for example, if you are doing for an evidence or some health clearing uh, talisman, if you are doing, then we give them the talisman. We do the whole ritual. Basically, it's like uh, when we are uh, doing the young uh, sun ritual for uh, any business or something, we do the whole altar and uh, try to activate the business or whatever, right? In the same way, we activate the talisman also with the whole ritual. And then after the whole ritual is done, we ask the client to burn that particular talisman. And then we uh, mix the talisman, uh, either just spread it around the house or some people like to drink it. They put the ashes mm, of the burnt talisman because it's a rice paper, right? So okay, the paper okay. that we use is called, a, it's a rice paper kind of a thing. So they put it in the water and they drink it. So that the talisman, which has been activated is going inside our body. So, and all the impurities are gonna go away. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so I, it's very hard to find information online about this. I know there's different rituals and stuff, I guess, probably according to, you know, the, your practices and beliefs, but mm -hmm. I've seen some where they charge them for days and they offer do offerings and all kinds of stuff. And I just think it's amazing. It's really interesting. It's not something that I've, um, you know, been able to find anyone to talk about. So thank you. That was really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's actually nice because what we do is like on one hand we are trying to do the prana mudra where we are trying to give the energy on the other hand we are trying to chant the mantras inside our 
uh, mind so that uh, that energy that we're sending out is through the mantras that we are sending out into that particular talisman in a particular way we want that talisman to be activated it's like an instant energy kind of a thing that's what we are doing so basically it's nothing but a house with so many different kinds of fusils and your seal <laughs> Oh, that's so interesting. The fusils will tell you kind of a story that's written. You get all these Chinese artifacts, right? There'll be so many things written. Like most of them are like Fushula. <laughs> yeah. The prosperity evidence. And that's the majority of the things that you find. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the reason <laughs> I never try to buy. I know I, I have a, a red envelope with a ship on it, but I'm like, I don't know what the, what the, you know, words say, you know? And so, yeah, that, that makes a good point too. You don't want to probably just pick something up. It needs to be to probably put the, that ritual, to put that intent in there mm -hmm. and to be Otherwise done. Otherwise it's just an object. They're doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I agree. And you do yeah, yesterday the client uh, she had a big this big I guess almost like two feet lucky cat in uh, her house, uh, but that was written all some fusils that were like very uh, overused <laughs> stuff. But she had this small ship in her house, uh, in where it was about double happiness and uh, the prosperity symbol and all those things were written, which made a story connection to it. So when I went there, I tried to activate that ship, not the big cat. Even though people think, oh, have this big, this will give more energy. No, even the small thing, which has a meaning, what is written on it, that is what is more important. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 um, I was attending, again, I was attending a class this morning, and they were kind of talking about altar placement. And they were talking about the different deities and stuff. And of course, you know, you need to, of course, you know, have a deity that you connect to, you know, mm -hmm. don't, I see people buy Buddhas and stuff. And I'm like, you don't, you're not Buddhist, you know, you don't, you know, does it mean anything to you, you know, but um, yeah, one of the things that uh, was said was that um, when you're looking at the deity that you're buying, you know, make sure that it feels good. Yeah. It should yeah. feel good. And, um, you know, if, if it makes you feel uncomfortable looking at it, you know, mm -hmm. or anything, then don't purchase it. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, as you see a lot of stuff for sale online. And yeah, I, I that's what I would say to be careful about, you know, some of the objects you're putting in your home because they do carry energy. You know, I'm mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not really superstitious in that. Like, you know, I have a, I have a Paiyu sitting on my desk cause I like him. He's oh, made a Jade I found him in Singapore. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just think he's so cute. And so that's, yeah. you know, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it, to me, it's cute. You know, it's not, it's, I, it's not a, you know, really something that I, you know, a pray to, but yeah, when you're, when you're trying to put your prayers and your beliefs and everything into something yeah you really have to be careful about what you're purchasing and what you're putting in your mm -hmm. home yeah yeah, yeah. I, I do have a lot of buddhas around the house because i am more uh, i guess i like <laughs> i yeah. like him, I connect yes. to him but at the same time at the entrance of my door i have a huge uh, poster of shiva lord shiva that we pray in india Mm -hmm. It's just a canvas, all right. Uh, he has like uh, five different heads, uh, different forms of mm -hmm. him. 
So um, every day in the evening, I have a certain ritual where uh, I ring our singing bell and do the sage in a small ritual. Then I sit and meditate. So whenever I'm ringing the bell and walking near the Shiva, I always feel like he's smiling back at me. Then I try, uh, I try to show it to my husband. I'm like, do you see that he's smiling? He's like, yeah, you're just imagining. But maybe... Yeah, maybe it's my imagination or maybe it's like when I'm doing it, they are trying to talk to us. We, we really don't know. Yeah. Um, well, they all do carry energy. So we can't just like put them like, okay, something. Yeah. Yes. That, that's one of the points that they made. They were saying if you get a good feeling um, and you smile or you feel like you sm it's a smiling face, then mm -hmm. that's a good connection to have to. I was like, okay, so like, that makes perfect sense. That's what I, I learned this morning in my class. So, <laughs> so it's, Maybe it so confirms, to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, confirms your, um, yeah, how you feel about it. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I know um, my my grandmother was Catholic and she always had um, I mean, the the Catholic traditions um, I, I don't know a lot about because I didn't uh, we didn't I didn't grow up with, with in that religion. But um, a lot of this, the symbology is the the Mother Mary, the Virgin Mary and Jesus on the crucifix. And to me, um, you know, it's for her. It was just, you know, um, her heart you know she she had everywhere she had crucifixes and the virgin marys you know and and mm -hmm. um and it, it made her feel comforted and it made her feel good you know and mm -hmm. so as long as it makes you feel comforted and good then yeah if it's that's why i tell people I'm like you don't have to buy the statues and stuff if it's not something that connects yeah. to you or you don't you know you don't you don't want to place an altar out with a deity you don't connect mm -hmm. to you know some people place, uh, like especially in the Asian countries, uh, they try to place the ancestors as their uh, deities. So whenever yes. we are trying to do some uh, uh, rituals at uh, their particular places, like clearing up rituals or energizing rituals, they try to bring their ancestors' pictures. We can't say no to them because it's something they believe in, they connect to them. So each person has uh, their own belief. In India, we try, we don't put our ancestors' uh, pictures near the altars. Mm -hmm. We keep them separately, but uh, even when we put them at the altar on certain days, we place them and then remove them. Yeah, so, and there is there is actually placement of feng shui for, you know, for it's for the ancestors and for deities, but there's certain things that you do have to follow. I actually learned that this morning also. Um, I, I kind of knew, I didn't know a lot about, um, uh, you know, the ancestors versus where you're putting, you know, your statues. So if you have an urn for your ancestors or certain positions on the altar, you mm -hmm. know, and certain positions that you want to place your deities and yeah. sometimes not in the same, in the same area. So it just kind of depends, but yeah, if anyone, if anyone um, needs, has questions on that, I could refer you to someone who, <laughs> who know who he was yeah, talking today. So uh, yeah, but because um, I, I don't know a lot about that tradition, but um, I, I do know that there's specific things, even within feng shui that you yes. want to want to follow with your altar placement. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. But it basically depends on more on the clients. Like if they are very attached to the client, the ancestors and the urns, like some of my clients, they have their pets also, their urns also in the main living room. Then we have to be very sensitive in telling them where they have to move them because they really don't want to do that because they're very attached to these things. 
So we have to be kind of very sensitive in addressing this issue. Sometimes we might even hurt them. Yes, um, definitely for sure. You know, you want to keep them in a place that honors them also. You know, you don't yes. want the person to feel like you're taking them away, you know. Um, I, I recently talked to my husband about this. My father-in-law was cremated and my sister-in-law has his ashes. But to, to me, I've also learned that the ashes are very yin, you know, to have in mm -hmm. a space. And sometimes if you put them in the wrong space, you know, you, you can experience some yin activity in your home, yes. <laughs> you know, and so, yes. you know, you know, and, and some, some, some spiritual activities going on in your home. And so to me, I know I was telling him, I really want to get a mausoleum and place the ashes in there in a good position. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's even, even feng shui for that. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, do you have anything you want to add? This was a very interesting <laughs> conversation. I, I love talking all, all things feng shui and, and in between. <laughs> Basically, I just want to tell like may, um, many of the times people are paranoid about even going through the feng shui or the vastu aspect because they're scared to touch anything and when they see they, if it's not in proper aspect, okay, my life, because I know it is going to go downhill. There is nothing like that. It's basically we have to approach it in a holistic way and just see what's going on in your life. If there is some issue that's going on in your life, then we better address. So there's nothing to be paranoid about either of these practices we can address any of the issues which come it's better to address them before they buy the house but uh, yes even after buying the house we can address them but rather than being paranoid about these practices it's better to be holistically approaching into these practices the fear is out of this uh, thing it's like it actually develops a person more holistically and spiritually and even wealth and abundance <laughs> yes so the takeaway I think is, yeah, it really is. You know, that's one of the reasons I, like I said, I kind of start the podcast to kind of take away that superstition, you know, and, and stuff and feng shui. And so I start talking about the objects like this and kind of where the thoughts come from and, you know, and all that. So you're doing yeah. an amazing job with that, actually. Oh, <laughs> I really you. love your uh, podcast. Sometimes I do listen to them. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And so if anyone needs to get a hold of you, I'll, I'm going to put all of the um, links to all of your, your work that you sent. I'm going to put it below. If anyone needs to get a hold of you, if they're interested, say, you know, just want to talk to you, then they can find you. Um, so I would recommend you following her on Facebook because she does this cute little um, good directions for the day. And it has a, a little icon of the cold Bernie Sanders. And I just think it's the cutest thing, you know, <laughs> and so she, you'll put it, uh, uh, in, in the best direction for the day. And I, I like that. So, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yes. So thank you so much. Uh, thank for you for inviting me again. It was lovely talking to you, Candice. Awesome. I look forward to speaking with you again. It, it it kind of bothers me a little bit sometimes when I see people give like some general tips, especially for things like conceiving a child or for health, because I, I do feel like um, that's it's very personal to the person's personal yeah. energy, you know, and mm -hmm. so, I mean, you can give a general tip, but you, yeah, you have to really be careful and 
you know, I think especially when you're talking about conceiving, because it's something so personal, you know, it's so yeah, personal to the you person. Have to look at the, so much of in-depth in yes. it. You have to look at the nine element of uh, both the couples and uh, then according to where their bed position is, we have to change it according to their uh, nine elements and uh, there's so much involved in it. Yeah, we can't yes. just give it to them like that. <laughs> then That's people so awesome. like uh, they call you and uh, tell you uh, the small small changes that we have uh, done in their lives and that has impacted them in a huge way it gives us the motivation to learn more do more because there are so, so much that we really don't know it's a huge world both in uh, feng shui and vastu it's more tapping into those things and learning those things so that we can help more of our customers in whatever pain they're going through yeah for sure yeah. we all basically i think we are inclined towards this metaphysical nature because we have certain i think in our baza chart some spiritual pillars somewhere <laughs> that we have uh, which is making us uh, go towards this i didn't even know that my career pillar is a complete spiritual pillar <laughs> So mm -hmm. later on, when I uh, started learning Baza, then I uh, that I came to know, oh, this is why I didn't want to be a lawyer and I changed my path. Be sure to support today's guest by following the links below and checking out their work. Also, make sure you subscribe, like, and hit that little notification button so you can be notified when new videos come out. Mm -hmm.